0: So today, we continue our study of the book of, uh, the book of Galatians in the series that we have dubbed Faith Essentials or Essentials of the Faith. So far, we have looked, uh, to review a bit, we've looked at the following topics. Uh, the, first, the first one was on walking in authority. Another one was prosec- uh, prosecutor to proclaimer, and then... Uh, on be who you are, and then last Sunday, Pastor Jeff uh, preached on "Wake Up and Get Ready" with the picture of the alarm clock on the front of the on the front of the bulletin. And today, we will examine what Paul has to say about being slaves and experiencing freedom through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we think of freedom by an invasion of God's grace and what God has done. Large whales are beautiful creatures of the sea. And they're very smart. And sometimes whales are kept in captivity. And as N.T. Wright points out, some years ago on the West Coast, animal rights activists Managed to set a whale free from a, an aquarium where the whale was held, ca- held captive, and they managed to set that whale free so they would experience the freedom of the ocean. But the whale swam a short distance and spent a short time in the sea and then returned voluntarily to the aquarium. The whale had obviously decided that it was better off being looked after in captivity rather than fending for itself in the dangerous and the difficult world on the outside in the ocean. So, in this chapter, in Galatians 4, that we'll be looking at, the Apostle Paul is writing to the believers at Galatia. It, both Jews, those who were Jews, and also those who were Gentiles, and encouraging them not to go back into bondage, not to go back into slavery, not to go back into captivity. And as he's writing this to the believers of Galatia, he is probably thinking about the children of Israel as they were released from Egypt in the Exodus as they were released from Egypt and then desired to go back when the time became difficult and they had difficulty with, with finding enough water and having enough food to eat before God supplied the, the manna and the, and the quail. They were ready to go back even though they had been in slavery in Egypt. So probably the Apostle Paul has this in the back of his mind as he's writing to the believers there in Galatia. So when the children of Israel were released from slavery, and as they journeyed further from Egypt, they said, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat, and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. So they were pining and they were anxious to go back to their slavery in the land of Egypt because at least there they had plenty to eat. So let's look then at Galatians 4, to 11 What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So, also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons God sent the spirit of his son into our thought, into our hearts the spirit who calls out abba father so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who, by, were, who were by nature are not gods. But now you know God, or rather are known by God. How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them All over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. So, Paul ends the previous chapter in chapter three with the explanation that Abraham's offspring, the Jews, were indeed heirs of God's promise. But he was quick to say that even though they were heirs, that as a child, when the child is is a child, until the child reaches the age of accountability or until the child reaches the age that the father determines, the child does not have access to the promise. The child does not have access to the heritage so the congregations are realizing that the Gentiles, believers, are part of God's story and are also considered the seed of Abraham. The apostle points out that both groups have been in slavery. And here we get to the, the first, In if you want to take notes, under the message uh, section, the message notes in the bulletin, this is the, the first answer, you can also jot other notes down, but the Jews were in slavery under the law, and the Gentiles had been in slavery to the elemental spirits. And a bit later in my sermon, I'll, I'll push that out a bit on what Paul probably means by the word element, the words elemental spirits. And now the Galatians want and desire; they were open and, and encouraging themselves and others to return to their slavery. The slavery under the law. One hears the heart cry of the apostle in the last verse of this section that I've I've read. When the apostle mournfully moans in verse 11, I fear for you. Perhaps all my heart work with you was for nothing. And then Paul explains in verses 4 and 5 But when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. So Paul is saying that Jesus came subject to the law. He came under the law. He had that experience so that Jesus was able to remove the chains of the law, was able to remove the bondage from the law, and would be able to adopt them as his own children, as his own daughters and sons, so that he would free those who were in slavery and adopt them as his children. In looking at this passage, Jacob Elias, who had been teaching at and a Baptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary uh, has a very helpful chart that I think is is very um, uh, delightful as to and we'll put this chart on the on the PowerPoint now and the uh, as far as how what happened before Christ and after Christ. so verses one and two the minors remain under guardians and trustees until the date set by the Father that was before Christ, and then after Christ, in verse 5, that we might receive adoption as children, and then in verse 3, while we were minors, we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world, and before Christ, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved by beings that by nature are not God's. But then after Christ, now, however, you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back to those elemental spirits? How can you want to be enslaved by them again? We, too, are prone to go back to slavery rather than marching to the promised land, rather than marching forward. We, too, are prone to go back. Contemporary thinkers emphasize that human communities create stories and myths that provide a rationale for how we live. And then George Brunk III explains explains that we can become slaves in the very house of meaning that we build. What we thought was the way to freedom ends in bondage. The situation is similar to the spider that spins its web. The spider's existence depends on the web, but the web also limits the spider. The spider's prey is the victim of the web, but in some sense, the spider is a victim as well. End of quote. So that even in in our culture, and how we live, and the rationale for how we live, that can also place us in captivity. So, what kinds of captivity can we think of that we might be in in this life? Or what are the elemental spirits that Paul is talking about here? What does he mean by that? Well, the ancients thought that the earth was composed of four primary primary forces, of four elements. And those four elements are fire, water, earth, and air. But Paul here shares the dominant assumption of his time that a close relationship exists between the material world of human culture and the spiritual realm of invisible powers which can influence persons through those material forms. End of quote. So, what are some of the elemental forces? What are some of the kind of captivity that we might be controlled by? And some we've already sung about in that uh, Pastor Chelsea and Philip and Kayla led us in the songs in worship this morning. And one of those elemental spirits is, I would suggest, is the spirit of fear. Where we can become petrified, we can become so scared that we are unwilling to step out and to realize, to do what God is calling us to do. The spirit then controls our thoughts and our actions, and we are so fearful as we face the future. Timothy says, or Paul says to Timothy, his young disciple, in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, But instead, God gives us the spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So we can experience the fear of the future. We can experience fear and trepidation because of the change in leadership of our nation in Washington, D.C. And we, we can experience fear as to what might happen and the anxiety surrounding that. But God, as Paul says to Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear. But instead, God gives to us power and boldness by the spirit of God. So I believe that God, through the Apostle Paul's writing, is asking us not to be controlled by the elemental spirit of fear. Or we might be controlled by the elemental spirit of anger. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount when he said, But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who frees us from these chains of captivity who frees us from these elemental spirits, including the spirit of anger. I know a person who was in bondage to anger, and when that individual received Christ as Savior and Lord, that person was unshackled. Those chains of anger were loose, so the person was not controlled by that anger. And that person has walked with the Lord for many, many years and the anger is, has been released. The, that person has experienced the freedom of being delivered from the elemental spirit of anger. So God sets us free from slavery. God sets us free from the slavery to the elemental spirits and brings us to faith in Jesus Christ and brings us to freedom in Christ. Christ, we might say, unshackles us in verse 4a. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And the fullness of time refers not to the coming of age of the child, but refers to when God decides the fullness of time. The will of the Father, as Paul says here, the will of the Father decides when the fullness of time comes and the, the child becomes an heir. This is also further illuminated in Paul's writing to the Philippians in Philippians 2, 6-8, gives the same emphasis where Paul says who though he was in the form of God referring to Christ did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness and being found in human form he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Again, looking at what George R. Brunk III says, quote, that Christ is born as a Jew and therefore subject to the way of life as determined by the law is of obvious significance to the context. Christ came under the curse of the law to redeem those under the law. For Christ to fulfill the redemption story from Abraham through the time of the law, he needed to be part of that story, end of quote. But there's another person. There's another person in the Trinity involved in our coming to Christ and being set free. All of those who have been released from sin all those who've been released from bondage have received the Spirit of God into their hearts. And in Paul's mind, that happens at the same time. Galatians 4, 6, And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So in the same way that God sent the Spirit, or sent Christ into the world in the same way that God did that. In fact, the same Greek word is used, God sends the Spirit into, into our hearts. The same Greek word is used for sent in both places. So becoming a child of God and receiving the Spirit, in Paul's understanding, are Inseparable. Again, Bronx says, they are inseparable inseparable dimensions of becoming a believer. For Paul, the Spirit is so closely tied to Christ that one cannot have one without the other. Paul says to the Corinthians, therefore, I understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There was a delightful article in the recent in the recent issue of Christian Century, and this article by Adam Harrelson highlighted the use of the churches are giving churches uh, uh, are giving the use of their basements to assist persons with drug, uh, to help them come free from uh, drug addiction. And whether it's uh, prescription painkillers or that's a epidemic proportions today, opioids or even heroin or other, other addictive substances. But last year, the leading cause of accidental death in the U.S. was drug overdose. In 2015... 47,055 people died of drug overdoses, and nearly 30,000 were caused by opioids. In Massachusetts, four and a half times more people die by drug overdose than by car accident. The article then goes on to share the story of Mike Clark Who spent about 15 years of ministry among those in recovery and he certainly has lots and lots of stories. Clark is a pastor of the Belmont Watertown United Methodist Church there in Massachusetts. And the stories that he has are full of hope and tragedy and never glib. And he says that addicts travel on stories. And with Clark was called to the church, it had seen its better days. The previous conflicts in the congregation had left the church fractured and only a faithful remnant were left. And as Clark tells it, he would finish writing his sermon and then look out his office door to all the people descending into the church basement for a recovery meeting. And he would smile and wave, and the people would wave back. And he said, quote, there were 35 of us and a 1,000 of them. They were all in the basement, and we were all upstairs. And if anybody was letting anybody use the building, it was the recovery community letting the church use the building. End of quote. And then Clark says, and this is what he calls it, he says, he started loitering with intent. He served the recovery group cider and cookies at Christmas time and he met with the people who needed his counsel and he was kept waving a greeting to others. He rarely if ever attended a meeting. He just spent time on the periphery and the folks in recovery started making their way to his office And then gradually, a few came to the sanctuary. Today, the church hosts nearly 1,000 people each week in 23 recovery meetings. The church also started an 11-step cafe, which was an important third space for those in recovery to hang out with the persons from the congregation. And the third space was not either the basement or not the sanctuary. It was another space where the two of them, or the, the the two groups, could be together, learning to know one another. So the chains of opioid addiction are being broken as this congregation shares in ministry in the local community. So let's look at the takeaways from this sermon. What can we learn? And these are also printed in your bulletin. The takeaways, four takeaways. Though we strive for absolute freedom, we will never be completely free. Absolute freedom requires complete control of one's situation and something that humans do not not possess. Secondly, we are free in Christ as we allow Christ to unshackle us from the elemental powers and to live under the domain of Jesus. Christ unshackles us from the elemental powers. Thirdly, we see in Galatians 4-9 that God knows us deeply and encourages us not to be in slavery. And therefore, we will be able to reach our fullest potential. And then lastly, we have an intimate and endearing relationship with the Abba Father through the Holy Spirit. And Abba is an endearing term, an intimate term, like we would say Daddy. We have an intimate and endearing relationship with the Father through the Holy Spirit. So, let us not be like the whale in my introduction, which was released into freedom, but then went back into captivity. Let us help others to become free from the uh, the addictions and the elemental spirits as we cultivate a close relationship with our Abba Father. Amen. We'll share in the closing song as soon as uh, Pastor Chelsea, the group...